Sorry. So you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go. Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. It's the first episode of 2020, a new decade. Isn't that crazy? And yes, I still have a cold, but it's not because I'm still sick in the future. As I said, I've recorded a whole bunch of episodes in advance, but you've got to like give me the, you know, the pat on the back, right? Because remember when I recorded, I mean, when I was away, I recorded episodes and they were just like, um, what's the word? Clip shows of stuff I've done in the past. I'm creating new content in advance now. Look at that. See, I'm leveling up. That's my super saiyan, um, <laughs> my next level. So, I'm recording these in advance um, so they'll play through and I'm pretty sure next week will be the first episode I will have recorded in 2020. Um, but for now, um, you know, this is back in, um, I'm speaking to you from the past. That's not that special, is it? Because every time you listen to any podcast ever, it's them speaking to you from the past. So, anyway, so how are you doing? Hopefully, everything's great in your world. Hopefully, you had a very nice holiday season. Hopefully, you had a great New Year's. I hope you got some time off. Hopefully, I was going to say, I hope you went to the beach. That'd be That's pretty good to do in summer. But then again, not all of you are from Australia. If you're in America, I hope you stayed warm. If you're from anywhere else in the world where it's winter, I hope you stayed warm. <laughs> I went to America once for Christmas um, and, you know, because we grew up in Australia seeing all the movies where it's, you know, the white Christmas and the magic and all that kind of stuff. And I went and it didn't snow. And yeah, I was like, it's going to snow for Christmas Day. Didn't snow on Christmas Day at all. Went to America all the way over there. Didn't snow at all. I snowed like a slight amount. I'll say that. It didn't snow much though. And the next day was Boxing Day. And the day after that, it was the biggest blizzard to like ever hit New York City or something crazy like that or one of the biggest blizzards. And I got woken up by the person who lived upstairs knocking on my door saying we just had to shovel you out of your room and I was like oh wasn't aware because I was asleep uh but yeah so that was crazy snow was a little bit late but then the whole city was just like under like a meter of snow it was crazy um but other than that Christmas has always been summer and it's weird there's so many people that I talk to that just can't comprehend Christmas being in summer I've even had friends say to me so do you guys do Christmas in Australia in July when it's cold or something and I'm like no it's still in December of course December 25th but we do it in summer and it's really weird unless you've grown up in Australia maybe you don't get it but to us I mean Christmas day is like when you're a kid it's like running around like a swimming pool with like super soaker guns you just got for Christmas um shooting one another and having fun anyway so I'm Hopefully you had a great Christmas, wherever you're celebrating it in the world or whatever, the holiday season, you know, everyone's got their own holidays they celebrate. So whatever holiday you celebrated, hopefully it was fantastic. I'm doing great. I mean, I assume so. I'm trying to guess what I'd be like in the future. I'm pretty sure I had a great time too. That's just how life goes. Uh, but today's episode, I, you know, I want to do something a little bit different. I recorded uh, the episodes for the podcast and then I, I think it was last week's episode, I talked about maybe mentioning some of the books I recommend. Um... This is kind of like taking I'm Northbound, like the podcast where I want to take it, which is not so much just talking about the music industry specifically all the time as in directly, but you know, you know what I mean? Like directly talking, directly talking about the industry, um, directly talking about something that affects the industry, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, talking about things that may be outside of the industry, but 
finding a way to bring them back and make them relevant. So I obviously don't want to talk about things that are irrelevant to the music industry, but you know, doing stuff like this is pretty exciting and keeps it fresh and interesting. In my opinion, I came up with the idea last podcast. I, I wanted to come up with, I just mentioned, Oh, would you be interested in me going over some of the, you know, my recommended books that I think you should read and that you could benefit from. And I thought about that after I recorded that episode and, you know, asked around and it seems that that sounds like people are interested in it. So here I am recording this episode in advance. Uh, I've read a whole bunch of books this year. I know some people set like reading goals, like how many books they want to get through in a year. I don't do that. Like I don't, cause I feel like it becomes, I don't know. It might. I think that would take the fun out of reading for me, but I've made my way through quite a lot of books this year. And when I was going through my bookshelf in saying that, I'm just looking at my bookshelf, not all the books I read on Kindle, but anyway, it'll do. I was looking through my bookshelf and I realized I've read quite a lot of books this year. <laughs> not all of them are going to be relevant to you on your music journey, I'm assuming. So I'm not going to be talking about those books. These aren't my five personal favorites that I've read this year because there are a couple still on my shelf. Um, I've taken down the five so I can talk about them when they're in front of me. And there's some still back on my shelf that I absolutely loved, but they may not be as relevant for you being a music artist, but they probably are. I mean, they're more relevant to me as a software creator or, you know, like what I'm doing in trying to create a point of leadership to help you with your music career. So, I mean, you know, these aren't my favorite books, but they are definitely books that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I really think you will love too if you want to pick them up. So, I've got five of them here. I mean, this isn't meant to be just like a giant ad or sales pitch for these books. I want to talk about the key points I got out of the book and why I think uh, you could benefit from it or what type of person at least could benefit from these books. I have these in no particular order at all. This is just the order I grabbed them off the shelf. So let's just do them in this order. Uh, the first book I have here is by Ryan Holiday and it's called Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. And this book was crazy. I mean, it completely changed my view on media and how the media works. Like everyone knows that the media is pretty manipulative. No, was it a malleable? It can be manipulated. I almost said manipulatable, which isn't a word, but it is now, right? Bring up Webster's dictionary and put it in. Um, but this book was crazy. So this guy used to work for American Apparel. And I don't know if you remember the ads from back in the day, this is like nearly 10 years ago, but he ran a series of ads that featured uh, a porn star from the time called Sasha Gray. And the ads were just run like normal ads, but she was essentially naked in them. And he, you know, media covered it and it turned out this huge big con like controversial thing of like controversial, can't believe American apparel using a naked porn star in their ads and that kind of thing she became like an alternative model because of doing it. Um, but it created so much of brand awareness, created so much awareness for um, American Apparel, right? Because of the way he did the advertising strategy. And it turns out that entire thing was orchestrated. And he was talking about how you can actually manually engineer, I guess that's the best word, um, you know, in like a deceptive way, the media to cover projects based on the angle you go for. He was looking after a specific director that he knew because I mean, to, to, to really, I think I've talked about this before, but the type of uh, emotion that makes people share stuff is outrage. So he's always trying to play to that. They call it outrage porn. And isn't this weird? I've you know, seven minutes into the podcast and I've used the word porn a bunch of times, which is, I don't can't think I've ever said that in a previous episode, but um, yeah, weird. Anyway. So, he is is trying to factor to people's outrage and create this outrage porn for these people to, you know, 
Arish porn does what it does. It makes people angry and then people want to share, right? So he engineers that stuff. And then with this director that he worked with, he actually knew that this guy uh, could make a lot of people angry because he had a film coming out that was slightly controversial. So what this guy did, Ryan Holiday, is he dressed up in like a balaclava and, you know, gloves and whatever, like full uh, black outfit, like a stereotypical burglar or whatever. I don't know, something like that. And he went and spray painted um, like a hate message about this specific director on a wall, then took a photo of it and then sent it to a random blog and said, hey, you th- I th- finally, there's more people in LA that hate this guy. And the blog sees it and goes, what do you mean? Who's this guy that they hate? Well, it must be good because this guy sent it in, so we'll run the story. And they did run the story, sent it to a bunch of blogs. They all started running it. And eventually it became this thing of like, does everyone hate this director? And he got heaps of press and publication from it all because he engineered the story from nothing right so i mean it's really really cool and it goes to it 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 it, uh, it has a really good point it has a good point about how much the media is desperate for stories right so like thinking of it this way back in the day they only have they only had to fill the um six o'clock news right so it's just an hour of news each day and then from that it became um they made 24 hour news channels and then so it's news every single moment of every day and you think to yourself well it can't be you can't ever go more than 24 hours a day but you can because of the internet there's so many different channels of news going at all different times and all different stories that blogs and all that are looking for stories to push so that they can make a lot of money and eventually be sold um because of their you know be, be sold on for way much way too much money uh way more than they should be uh sold for to a big company who wants to buy it and use it for their um brand awareness or create uh, you know brand, like a brand not brand awareness brand awareness yeah but like trying to sell their product through their stories like he talks about how um you know there were specific i think like um some companies bought a nature blog if they were a nature company so they could write the stories but control the media so they could sell their products through these stories because they know that the people who read that blog are already nature enthusiasts so they're likely to buy from them and uh, he talks about how these blog uh, companies and you know online news they don't fact check and the reason they don't is on purpose it's well first of all it's because they don't really have time to and second it's like they don't really care to because they just want a story and if it gets clicks and it turns out to be fake news it's awesome for companies um, for blogs right for those the company of the blog you think that it would do damage to their reputation but what they do is they post a follow-up story saying hey we're taking back this story it was fake news here's what really happened and it gives them double the ad revenue because they can send people to that article as well so these blogs like want fake news to get people to click on their website, even if it's true or not. It shows how disgusting the state of the industry is of media. It makes you don't want to trust anything you see anywhere online. But it's a really, really good insight into how to play the media game and the angle that you should be looking at as a music artist to promote yourself. It's not good enough to just be writing into press publications and say, uh, just say, hey, I've got a new album coming out. Hey, would you would you cover it? You know what I mean? Like it's uh, there's not a good strategy or a good plan to to do it that way. They want uh, yeah, like a, a controversial story. They want something that people are irresistibly going to click on. So it gives you that idea of how you can try to frame your message to make media outlets take you on. Now, by no means am I saying that you should like fabricate and lie and deceive like this guy did, but it goes to show that that's the kind of game that the media is. So you're going to have to do a lot of groundwork to push a positive message in a certain way, but it will give you ideas on how to see outside of the box, if that makes sense. And, um, 
start to craft your media, uh, you know, your media approach or your media plan from a different direction. So that's the first book. Trust me, I'm lying. Confessions of a Media Manipulator by Ryan Holiday. Uh, that's worth checking out. Next one I got here is a book that I've actually mentioned a few times when I've talked about different pointers and it's uh, Contagious by Jonah Berger. Um, this guy is a university professor and he's pretty much breaks down. It's quite a short book. I mean, it's short. It's still like 200 pages, but it doesn't take that long to read. It's really easy to read too. He talks about, uh, it, it says how to build word of mouth in the digital age, but it talks about the seven different points that he calls steps, S-T-E-P-P-S. Is that six, is it six or seven? Whatever, whatever that is. Um, for the th- different factors you need or that some a piece of content needs to stand the best chance of going viral. So being viral, making something go viral isn't exactly a lottery. It kind of works like that, even if you get everything right, uh, because it comes down to the way that you launch it and the time that you launch that, if it aligns with specific time zones of the demographic that are likely to share it. There's so many factors, but he talks about the seven that you can kind of try to uh, implement and it gives you the best chance of going viral. Now, this stuff is so good. He talks about in the very first chapter about a Philadelphia cheesesteak and how this this restaurant found it so hard to stand out. So the way they stood out was by creating a, like a hundred dollar Philadelphia cheesesteak or something really expensive. And it got people talking about him and it made people go, well, you've got to try the hundred dollar cheesesteak at this business. And they completely made something out of nothing. And they're a really successful you know, restaurant now that gets heaps of celebrities there all the time that do, you know, like it's it, people love it there because of this $100 cheesesteak thing that was just a, a way of doing a word of mouth viral marketing campaign. But he talks about the other things you need to, to create a viral marketing campaign. And there's a lot of things in there. I talked in a recent episode about how when I said curiosity rival, let me correct that. It was actually discovery or whatever it was. I'm saying that without even knowing. And I was annoyed at myself for not fact checking before I said curiosity, but it was whatever Mars Rover went over in the eighties. That's the one that for some reason increased increased sales of Mars bars. And it was because people were aware to the Mars Rover by seeing it everywhere on newspapers and on the news. So therefore they could see while in the shopping center, shopping center, the Mars bars took their eyes, you know, their attention went to Mars way more than it would have uh, if it wasn't available everywhere else. So you can kind of piggyback things that are already popular to raise people's awareness of your project too, or your album or your upcoming show or something like that. So Contagious by Jonah Berger is definitely worth a read. Um, this is actually probably out of looking at him now. I would say this is probably, uh, I should probably do that rank these in order of how, um, <laughs> how, and then again, looking at them, they're all really good, but this is, this is a highly recommended one, especially for music artists. Cause it lets you know the checklist you should be following to, um, I mean, none of these books are written about the music industry, but if you can read it with an open mind, you can see what you should be doing to apply to your craft uh, to get that edge and to um, find uh, that that point of separation. I mean, or you could just keep listening to the podcast because I pretty much mention all their points anyway, the ones that are relevant to. So the third one I got here is by an author that you may not know of called Nick Kalender, and it's called The Tangled Mind. And I've followed Nick for quite a while now, and I think the dude is super cool at what he does. He pretty much takes, he's like a big research analyst uh, that loves reading, um, you know, very wordy psychological studies that are written by university students or professors or, you know, experts. And he uh, takes it and kind of like breaks it down into like how it's applicable in the real world and also makes it so easy to understand it's ridiculous now i've followed nick for ages he's got a whole bunch of stuff and he's like about sales and marketing psychology and it's really cool so of course i picked up the tangled mind when it came out um 
But this is like kind of mind-blowing stuff. So if you are interested in psychology and how things actually work, like I think I might have talked on a previous episode or I know for sure that I was um, worked with a few artists that are close to me and I told them about this too, but there's this uh, people have a simulation fluency that they try to, it's like a processing fluency. So if you put an object in front of someone, their desire increases for it if it's within arm's length because they're able to reach and grab it. They can imagine doing that. But if it's outside of their arm's reach, they don't, they don't have as much of a desire for the object. But if you give them a tool and they can hold in their hands that is able to reach the object, their desire increases again. It's uh, It takes it all the way back to just basic primal human function and how everyone just naturally responds to things. And it's awesome. It's like talks about why we consider like... Uh, low sounds to be more threatening than we do high sounds. And it's not just to do with that lines raw low, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but it's really, really, really cool. The book is quite long and there's a lot of information in it, um, but it goes into like so much stuff. And it's really cool to see um, the psychology behind you know, to understand why people respond the way they do. And therefore you can craft even like your images and the way you frame your pictures to capture more attention. Like one of the things is if I said to you right now to imagine a camera beside a running cheetah that's just running, okay? And you're watching it from the side as a cheetah is running and the camera's obviously keeping up with the cheetah. Like I would say over 90% of you are thinking of a cheetah running from left to right. Now, try to imagine it running from right to left. It kind of feels a little bit strange, right? Because even though I didn't say it was running from right to left, we associate that way with being forward. And the reason we say that is because um, of processing fluency, because we were raised reading left to right. So, therefore, going that way is the correct way for us. Uh, normally, the people who think of the cheetah running backwards, you know, backwards meaning right to left is because, you know, they were raised somewhere where you'd read from right to left. And there's always obviously the outliers of people that say, oh, I was just thinking of that way anyway. Uh, but yeah, usually we think from left to right, which means that if we see people on a screen, um, you know, and they're looking toward the right, you know, if you're slightly turned and you're looking toward the right, that aligns with our cognitive expectations and it makes it easiest, it makes it easier to process. It's the easiest way for easiest way. Yeah. It's easier, easier for us to process that image is if to do that. So we naturally are more inclined to, um, give the message a chance, but if they're facing to the left, it kind of goes against our processing fluency or our cognitive expectations. And therefore we're less likely to uh, respond to that type of message. A lot of the times, if things don't align with our expectations, we don't feel completely comfortable with them and we misattribute that feeling of discomfort with a, a disagreement with the message. So yeah, if you want people to agree with you more, then you should be facing toward so that um, when you watch the footage, you're facing slightly toward the right. Um, when you're looking at the footage, of course, your left when you're recording it. But anyway, that's, uh, I know just saying that then it kind of sounds like it's an advanced concept, but he breaks all that kind of stuff down real easy in this book. So Tango Mind's really good if you're a bit of a psychology nerd or at least just interested in that and you're looking to find more information about that. But yeah, Nick Kalenda, so good. And if you don't follow, if you don't get his book, go to his YouTube channel and hit subscribe on that because he breaks down why like Amazon have so much white space in their shopping cart online. And it's a psychological trick to make you buy more stuff. It's really, really cool to see how people are using these psychological tests in the real world, psychology tests, whatever, to, uh, well, I say psychology uh, research. Um, yeah, these papers that they write, they take the um, 
the information they discover from that and apply it to the real world and businesses are using it to make more money and you're being persuaded every single day. So it's cool to see uh, the back end of that and how that works. So the fourth book I have here, the second last one is called One Million Followers by Brandon Kane. I talked about this a couple of episodes ago about how he talks about Taylor Swift and how she cared about the lives of her listeners and you know, she has seen huge growth. There's no denying that she's one of the biggest pop stars of the decade or even longer than that. But this book's really good. Uh, it's called, uh, it says, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. Now, this book is pretty good. I don't recommend that you pick this up and implement everything about it because I think this book is kind of marketed toward people that are just looking for the quickest path to fame rather than working for it. Because I mean, obviously, you can't resist reading a book that says, I built 1 million followers in 30 days, right? You want to know how someone does that. Uh, and he did it. He did it well. And he's he knows how to leverage it. But if you just pick this book up and try to just buy followers and not actually like, you know, buy your way, meaning advertise correctly to them. If his method's legit. Like, don't get me wrong. His method is legit, but you got, you got to know how to leverage those new followers you get um, to take advantage of them. And it's not just providing content to them. It's taking it to the media and trying to leverage yourself and your position against the, the followers you get. So I don't recommend this being the only book you read and implement, but it's great to add some form of perspective on how you can use Facebook and Facebook ads to grow your brand and be seen by more people, to reach more people and take advantage of emerging markets to uh, increase your follower count and then how to leverage that correctly against media and that type of thing too. It's a very quick book. I think I read, I mean, it's it's a decent sized book, but you know how some books are just easier to read than others? ended up reading this uh, in, I think I read it in like a day and a bit. Like there's one of the ones I couldn't put down because it was just so easy and all the chapters are kind of short. So um, it's not too hard to read at all. Um, but yeah, 100% ch- recommend checking out 1 million followers. I think a lot of you would be interested in that as a music artist. But as I said, there are a lot of people um, that will read this book just to find a shortcut. And there also are a lot of music artists that, um, well, not a lot, but I've seen a, um, at least a couple of people that have, one guy in particular must have read this book and he's trying to sell the method on like how to do it for music. And he's just, I don't know, stay clear of that kind of stuff because you're never going to find quick path to, uh, to success, right? You've got to work for it. As I've talked about, I say it in my book, what, <laughs> what a mystery opportunity i just realized i should have been like and the final book that you should have read this year is the 40s songwriter right uh, but i talk about in that i mean yeah, whatever i'm not gonna do that that'd be such a stitch up but i do i do say in that that if something comes quick it's going to leave you just as fast okay so don't try to build overnight success you should be definitely trying to um put in the work and make things happen over long term. Anyway, last one I got here today is by uh, Margot Light- Lightman. Lightman. Uh, she's awesome. And this book's called Long Story Short. And it's called, it says it's the only storytelling guide you'll ever need. Now I talk about quite a bit in my book, you know, on my podcast, on, on this podcast, sorry, uh, you know, on my, on my Instagram posts, like uh, interviews I do about how important your story is. Okay. Like who you can who you are, where you come from is like the biggest point of separation you have as a music artist. Yet most music artists aren't taking advantage of it. So you need to be right. You need to be taking advantage of what you can like of who you are and where you come from. Cause it's allowed you to find your point of separate. I mean, it's allowed to be you to become who you are today. That has given you a free point of separation. So use it. Right. But a lot of people will say, but I don't know what to talk about. I don't know my story or whatever. This book is awesome. So she breaks down everything you need, like exercises you can do. She's got a new one out that is actually just an exercise book. I'm going to pick that one up and I'll let you guys know if it's any good. Um, but this one's just great. It's, um, you know, it, it talks, it talks about the kind of things you should talk about, kind of things you shouldn't talk about. Um, 
just simple things like if you're like, I have nothing to talk about, it's because you're not doing enough with your life. Like instead of just driving to work tomorrow, get on the bus and go do something out of like your the out of your usual routine. Um, if you do something out of the ordinary, you're going to find new stories because you think about it. People say all the time, this is either going to go perfectly to plan or it will be a really good story. And I bet all your best stories are not when things went smoothly. So you've got to start seeking opportunities that aren't going to go smoothly or at least have a chance not to because or embrace them when they don't go to how you had planned them out. Um, you know, if things don't go to plan, embrace it because that is a good story. Then remember it. Now, I have a series of the same stories I could tell over and over again. And same thing with like, if you notice uh, when people go on talk shows like actors, they conveniently have the perfect story for when the talk show host sets them up about like, oh, so you were recently at the laundromat with your wife, weren't you? And he's like, oh, well, here's my story about that. So it's, it's there's a reason for that. It's because they... It's things to talk about it. It's ways to build character and that type of thing. So long story short is definitely worth checking out. You'll smash through this one in no time at all because it's not a traditional book. Uh, it's got a lot of, um, a lot of uh, what's it called? Like graphics and that kind of thing too. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty arty, which is cool. It means you can get through it really quickly. Um, but it's, it's really worth doing. And a lot, some of this is to do with actual storytelling on stage because Margot was a, um, or maybe still is, is like a, what are they called? Is it Grand Slam Poetry or something like that? Uh, yeah, the Grand Slam, the Moth, uh, which is like, it, it's, it's not quite poetry, is it? I'm not sure. But anyway, I watched it. I watched her do one on YouTube or a couple on YouTube, and they're very funny, but also very engaging. And it's like storytelling competitions. And I think a lot of the book is directed to people that want to become storytellers on stage. Uh, but yeah, it's really relevant for you as a music artist, how you can communicate to your social media uh, audience, how you can talk to people on stage, um, how you can be better in interviews and that kind of thing. Because storytelling is like the oldest art form essentially. And if you take advantage of it now, it still works better than ever. It, it adds so much context to not just you as a human, but you know everything you know, everything, everything you're trying to build. Right. So it's totally worth doing that. So that's it. Those are the five books that I recommend, uh, you know, the, from this year that I think will really help you with your music journey. Trust me, I'm lying by Ryan holiday, contagious by Jonah Berger, the tangled mind by Nick Kalenda, 1 million followers by Brendan Kane and long story short by Margot Lightman, uh, or Leitman apologies. If I'm saying that one of the ways, obviously incorrect. So whatever way is the correct one mentally, think I said that one. Uh, but as I said, I've read a ton of books this year. Honorable mentions. If you look, if you like nerdy psychology stuff, if, I mean, I feel like most people would hear the Tangled Mind and go, oh, that's probably the one I'm least interested in because it's so psychology based, uh, even though I highly recommend it and know that pretty much everyone will love it. Um, but yeah, if, if that was the one that piqued your interest and you're like, you know what? Tangled Mind sounds awesome. I love uh, psychology stuff. Definitely check out Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. That was such a good read. And it's all about, um, how to set up the, not just persuade people. He's got a really good book called Influence, which is like a staple, uh, you know, in, in marketing and advertising and that type of thing. People love Influence by Robert Shodini. It was, he, he wrote that back in like the late eighties or early nineties or something like that. And it's still really crazily popular. And then he recently, I think it was like three years ago, brought out Persuasion. I only just got around to reading it this year. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's about, Instead of just persuading people, it's about what you do in the lead up to persuade people. Like just for example, um, there was a website that was selling online, like selling furniture online and they split test the background image on the website and sent two different groups of people to the website. Now, the first group of people saw fluffy clouds as the background and the second group saw pennies. 
And the people who saw the fluffy clouds, when they purchased their um, furniture, they valued comfort over price. Yet the people who saw the pennies in the background valued cost over comfort. And none of the people that were tested said that the background had any influence on their purchase decision, but it obviously did. And the reason it is, is because it, it frames your mind when you see that image to start thinking in that way. So persuasion is a great read for whoever wants to really get advanced about how you frame your audience before they're exposed to your content. That's why they say that you shouldn't really run. I mean, he goes into like some pretty cool examples in it about like, if you feel like you're getting chased through the woods from by a monster, the first thing you want to do is see human civilization, right? Because we find safety in numbers when we're scared, right? But the other way around, if we are trying to attract a mate, like if we're trying to like fit in with a, find a new girlfriend, we don't want to fit in with the crowd. We want to stand out. So therefore, you shouldn't push ads with messages saying stand out from the crowd if it's like you're, the thing that they're exposed to before you was a horror movie. Yet, if it was a, rom a romance movie, you would push that ad saying stand out from the crowd. And because people are pre-framed by that romance movie, they're naturally going to align with your the, the processing fluency because they're already in that state of mind of wanting to stand out watching a romance movie, they're going to align with your product and be more likely to buy. So anyway, that's the kind of crazy stuff in persuasion. It's so good for if you're a fellow psychology enthusiast nerd like me, um, but that's worth checking out. I mean, I could sit here and talk about books all day, but we're running out of time. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Pick one of those books out. Let me know what you think. Let me know out of them, which one you think you're more likely to check out. Anyway, hope you have a fantastic week. I'm going to be back with, um, you know, I guess this is my first episode of 2020 that I've recorded in 2020. This is the first one, but whatever, uh, next week. So thanks so much for sticking with me through the holidays. Uh, thanks so much for being so supportive of this show. We've got so much big stuff coming in 2020 and I've never felt so motivated. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. You made it all the way to the end. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and it would mean the world to me if you could either leave a rating and a review for this podcast or share it out to your followers that act of kindness goes so much further than you may think it helps me help more music change the world 